On this episode of Mistake by the Take, Jake and Dylan look at the Browns' offseason. They kick things off by looking at the defensive coordinator hire of Jim Schwartz and then taking a look at the free agent signings and trades that the Browns have made away from the season. At the end, it's a Friday draft. Since 1990, the best acquisitions made in the offseason by the Cleveland Browns, Jake and Dylan give you each of their top three. You can hear it all right here on this episode of Mistake by the Take. One, two, three, four. Episode five, a mistake by the take. I'm taking over today in the host seat. Kind of feels a little weird right now. Um, Jake is dealing with a cold right now. He's still here, obviously. Jake, you could talk. Yeah, so, yeah. It's a little, uh, just a little cold. Nothing too bad. Just a little bit of a cough rolling around and uh, stuffy nose, but nothing, nothing we can't power through. Just uh, you know. Yeah. Stay away from touching all the equipment and everything like yeah. that. So Okay. Yeah. That's I mean earlier you were like grabbing all four mics and like trying to talk into it at I once. Definitely, but I didn't you know, do it's that. okay. Um we won't tell Jason or anything like that. Uh so yeah, we got a pretty good episode today. Um I'm feeling I'm feeling really good. It's always good to talk Browns too, in my opinion. You know, rant. Yeah, so. I mean what more could you ask for, right? I mean right. talking Browns is uh it's a Cleveland sport. Football's the way yes. that we just roll with. So. Football rules the world. And today, so basically, what we we were kind of kicking around ideas. It's getting to that point where, you know, episode five, you got a lot of good ideas kind of out of the way, not really getting too many interviews here and there going. So we're like, all right, the off season with the acquisitions and kind of free agencies all dying down right now, we figured why not go in? And just take a look at just a general overview of what we all did. Because there was a lot. There was a lot of stuff that we did. A lot that we liked. Some things we didn't like. uh, And then some needs that we're going to probably have to address later on as well, too. But, yeah, I mean, let's get right into it. No need to waste time. Let's go. No need to waste time. So, before we get into the additions, um, we're going to talk about some of the guys like that we got outside of it we're gonna go and talk about the guys that we re-signed first um nothing too big in that category um a couple notable names you're gonna see um linebacker anthony walker uh cornerback aj green uh center ethan pochick and Sione Takitaki, the linebacker as well. So reestablishing the linebacker room, it looks like, in that sense. Um, but yeah, no, nothing nothing too major in that sense. Yeah, I think you go out and get a couple of uh, really good re-signs there, honestly, especially in the linebacker room talking about it. This was a group who didn't really get a chance to prove themselves all that much last year. That with some injuries, Anthony Walker goes down for the year. He's, he's the veteran leader here, too. I think he's shown a lot of ability in that leadership role and a lot of guys look up to him I was afraid we weren't going to go back to him because again goes down last year I think you just get a lot out of him more than what you even see on the field Taki Taki a really good blitzer and then uh Pochick was kind of the one where I was like ah just because I'm a big Nick Harris fan I don't think really got a fair chance to see him he goes down in preseason game one literally first drive last year completely unfair to him but I mean Pochick was incredible at the center position so I think that's also a really good re-sign 
Harris will slot back to the the backup and he'll just keep moving on and AJ Green take it or leave it, it's cornerback depth. Yeah. Um I think the linebacker issue we Browns fans really really were looking at that as one of the ways that we were going to attack the draft. Um I thought that maybe in like the fourth round we were going to take a linebacker, but overall if you kind of look at the draft, there's a lot of guys that just it wasn't a heavy linebacker draft and I think that general managers really all across the league agreed on that one um but no I mean that kind of shows you then when you bring back Anthony Walker and Taki Taki where it's you kind of are like all right let's just reestablish that one we're good there you do have JOK still on the team as well so it's a little bit established um Pochick the one where I do like that re-signing um just because it allows for a guy that you did draft in Luke Wepler to develop a little bit um and then it also lets him be a little bit more versatile on the line and play some interior offensive lineman roles as well too but yeah so overall nothing too major in the re-signing part um I know we didn't put this in the notes but obviously this is going to be one that we should talk about that did not re-sign and is gone now and is most likely not going to be back. And that's running back Kareem Hunt. Um, was a guy that we, it was, Cleveland fans loved him. He's from the area. I think it was a little interesting because you were kind of like, he didn't play too much and his role seemed really decreased in the system. And then all of a sudden, you know, the leaks start coming out in the offseason about, how the coaching staff in the front office thought that he's lacking speed now and he's losing that burst. And overall, it's kind of strange to see that. And then all, now, it, I mean, no one's really going after him as well, too. So it's its a definitely a weird scenario. Yeah, I mean, I thought, you look at him not last year, but the year before, I mean, he was as good as ever going into that season. And then, like you said, the role just kind of decreases last year. I mean, as a fan, the standpoint, you kind of just don't get to see a whole lot of him and I don't know I feel like part of that's a coaching staff problem I don't obviously I can't see if the guy's speed's going down or anything if you're not putting him on the field just simply can't you know you don't have a way to tell he's a high motor guy though he was a guy that you know you have to give Chubb a rest back there if you're going to consistently run the ball and I don't know I don't really mind necessarily letting him walk I think you should have and maybe they did try to issue a trade for him at the before the deadline get rid of him but I think they did there and were, they there just were talks, wasn't yeah. anything really that they got but it was just I don't know he, he's a guy that I like to see running back there but you also you know you drafted a Jerome Ford's going to be there I know we'll talk about a couple of these guys later but there's some there's some depth back there that I know they're really high on so if, if the speed's not there then it's not there there's nothing more to say I mean running backs fall off a cliff it just happens right well and that's the thing too like the roles are different when you when it comes from Chubb to whoever you're running back to is it's more of a okay Chubb is your thumper he gets you five yards a carry or something like that but then you need that change of pace back and if you are losing the speed and that's a concern because the golden num the golden age for running backs is 28 of when they start to see that decrease. Kareem Hunt is 27, so he's coming close to that age. So that could be in play with that. Um, but no, I mean, if you don't have the speed, you can't be that pace of play back yeah. anymore. 
And, and I think it, it hurts us a little bit more, too, just like Cleveland fans in general. Because you mentioned it. He is the hometown kid, you know? Yeah. Grew up Willoughby East Lake school system. I, my cousin literally went to school with him. Like, he's going to South. Right. Like, right there in Willoughby. So it's just, you know, I think it hurts a little bit more. He's also that second chance guy, you know? He had the whole thing go down. gets released with the Chiefs. Browns pick him up, and he's been, you know, perfect off the field ever since. You know, no bad media basically coming his way. So you love to see a guy like that really turn things around, step into a huge role, play big for the team on the field. He was an easy fan favorite to root for. Yeah, and it's not like the running back market is really depleted right now. Um, The draft came, you know, I thought that this was a very strong running back class in the draft as well. Um, we did not address that need. Many of many people thought we were, um, but linebacker and running back were the two positions that everyone kind of had speculations of, okay, what are they going to do in that sense? And they just did not do anything with the draft. Um, some key notable guys in free agency, um, Jarek McKinnon just did get signed by the Chiefs. Um, that was a name that's been floating around. Uh, Leonard Fournette, again, kind of an older back, and then um, Ezekiel Elliott as well. We're going to get more into that later um, because there has been there's been a lot of recent drama with the, the running back room and who should be that second running back now. Um, By the way, you said we didn't address it. After the draft, did go ahead and sign a running back. I believe it was Hassan Hall, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, not not an address. I know what you're saying. Like, obviously, you think addressing a need, you're thinking like fourth round, fifth round, higher guy. Right. But you know, they went out and got somebody. I don't know if that you know how high they are on him, and I'm sure again, Jerome Ford going to be a guy that they're more likely to hone in on. But they did go out and get somebody. Yeah, and I think you're now kind of looking at it in the sense of who's going to be that Dearness Johnson and who's going to step into that RB three role because we've seen before. Nick Chubb has gone down, and then Kareem Hunt's gone down, and we've needed a, a third running back on the roster to kind of take over. And Dearness Johnson was great in that sense, but now he's with the Jacksonville Jaguars, so that key piece is gone. Yeah, that so, one hurts. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see where they go from that. That's going to be a little bit later, though. But before before we get into all that stuff, I want to go into the more of the additions that we did. Um one of the huge things that the Browns went after early on in the offseason was a new defensive coordinator. Um, Joe Woods, that was a disaster. Uh, <laughs> that's an understatement. That's yeah. an understatement, right? Um, so he gets fired. He gets booted out of there. Cleveland fans rejoiced. Um, and the search kind of went on. Didn't know really who would be it. You know, there was a couple names here and there being tossed around, like Brian Flores being one of them. And eventually, they settled down and go with Jim Schwartz to be the new defensive coordinator for the Browns. A little bit of background with Schwartz. Uh, He was the defensive coordinator for the Eagles in 2016 through 2020. And if you don't remember, 20, it was... I believe 2016 was when they won the Super Bowl, correct? Or was it 2017? It was one of those. It was one of those days. It's, either way, he was the defensive coordinator when they went to the Super Bowl and won it against Tom Brady. Um, and then from 2021 to 2022, he was the Titans senior defensive uh, assistant. So overall, I think that was 
in a way, like it didn't, it seemed under the radar at first, but then after kind of like looking into it, kind of seemed like a slam dunk. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, they kind of made the move a little quick, I feel like, to go they into did. Schwartz. It was a little bit of a short notice. Uh, would have liked them to look a little bit more maybe into a guy like Brian Flores, but mm-hmm. I think the uh, the fear there is that you know Schwartz isn't going to go and want to be a head coach, and that is something that you think about for Flores because, well, he was in a position where he was the head coach and did succeed, so if he's going to be a defensive coordinator – that next step up, he's likely going to want to make it again. Jim Schwartz also is 56, too, which can play a factor into it. Yeah, he's an older guy. I mean, and he already had his head coaching stint, too. And yeah. he was pretty much looking – he goes down to the defensive assistant, senior defensive assistant for the Titans. That was because he wanted to take a roll back. And he was just one of those guys where now he's like, all right, maybe not so much. Maybe I do miss football, like a little bit more, being more involved. So steps back up into the D coordinator role. Also mentioned it, did serve as a head coach for the Lions – which I think is a big part here because we're going to get into some of the guys we signed. He makes his defensive linemen look really good, and in specific, his defensive tackles. He's worked alongside guys like Domkin Sue and then you know Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. I mean, these are guys that are home run hitting D tackles mm-hmm. that, while he's there, are some of the best D tackles in the league. You can argue that these are you know guys that are good outside of him, but... You know, you could also say that when Jim Schwartz is there, the tackles just play better. Like, he just sets them up for success. Yeah, and that was kind of one of the things where we lacked a ton last year is we just had nothing inside to stop the run. And just the defensive tackle production was just not there. Um, I I really like the hire, too. Um, I, I think you do make a good point that it was a little rushed in that sense. But, I mean, overall, like, I, I think... It fits really well with this team. Um, and, I mean, if you think it's rushed, but, you know, if you're the Browns, you, that's the guy you wanted. And right. Then you, you interviewed him and it was perfect, then why wait any longer? Yeah. No, and it seems all around like a good scenario, too. Um, I know we, we a little little um, preview, I guess. We were going to probably do maybe an episode in the future about, like, going over the Browns' defense as a whole and, like, maybe, like, the Browns' offense as a whole and kind of go over that. So we won't go too much in depth with it, but I I think at least give a little bit of background on um, Jim Schwartz and kind of his philosophy. So he runs the 4-3. That's what he's known for. He likes four guys on front. But the key is that is a little bit different from just your normal 4-3 that brings kind of that 3-4 element into it is he does – do a, a lot, not a lot, but a decent amount of the wide nine tech. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically one of your defensive ends lining up all the way outside of the tight end. Um, I, I pulled up a picture this morning because I didn't know what it was, nor did Yeah, Jake, I was right there but, with you. Pulled up a picture and... Uh, I mean, it was it was weird, like, seeing, because it was just everyone was on the line, and then all of a sudden you just look and there's, like, a defensive end just, like, totally out there. Um, so I was just like, okay. But if I was a, an offensive coordinator, which, by the way, you know, my football mindset, you know, I like to think that I'm decently knowledgeable. But if I looked at a field, I would probably be lost to know how to a attack a bit. defense when they line up. Not, I'm no like quarterback or anything. I played O line when I played. But right. if I saw a guy lined up on the left side of my tight end, if he's on the left side of the line, you know, all the way out there, it's just a giant gap in the defensive line. I'd be like, hey right. guys, why don't we run there? Yeah. But like, I mean, it's obviously a technique that. Schwartz has shown to work and be effective against the run. So. Right. Yeah, and it, it it 
from what I've been reading up about it, it's not like he does it all the time, but it, he has shown flashes of that, um, which is interesting because then you kind of wonder then who is going to take up that role because we were talking about that earlier. You put Miles Garrett in the the wide nine tech then? I, I just I, I don't know. I mean, you could look to a couple of DN signings that we had this year, a lot of like quick pass rushers. We'll get into it. Uh, Aconquo yeah. and... Uh, McGuire that you draft. Those are both guys that like to be speedy off the edge. Athletic maybe a guy like guys, that. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. And um, you know, like maybe like a guy. This is kind of this isn't Browns, but like I'm thinking more of like a Micah Parsons, where right. it's just like, yeah, he does kind of have his hand in the ground, but he also kind of plays that element of like a linebacker. So it's kind of it's almost like a hybrid, basically. That that's how I'm viewing it. Um, so, the guy, I think just the guy you have to have out there is going to have to be. Quick, and you have to imagine and keep in mind that he's attacking the D end in this scenario in almost every case, unless it's a run. Right. Like the tight end, unless you're in like some crazy max protect, is not going to be pass blocking. Right. So it's just literally getting an outside route to the quarterback, and you're thinking you're putting a speedy guy there that's going to get low around the tackle. Yeah. It's a bendy, speedy guy in that sense, because you're right. He has to get low, get past the tight end. But yeah, um, so I think that's an that's an interesting piece. A um, couple other things about him: he does not blitz that much. Um, that that's been like a, a big one that I've been seeing about him. Yeah, that's probably another understatement. I looked and when he was with the Lions as well with the Eagles, every single year he was with those two teams in in a head coach and a defensive coordinator role. Bottom five in blitz percentage in the league every single year. Yeah, so it, you're not going to see a lot of blitzing coming out from this sense. But I think overall, like, I think he's going to bring out the best of that line, something that we just never really had in that sense of just production last year. So that's an interesting one. Um, so then after that, that was in January when that was um, made official. So then we're going to go over the draft just slight recap if you want to go hear more in depth about what we think about all the picks and stuff um episode one first ever episode take a look at that i mean that's that's all the draft information you could possibly need i mean that's literally i think two hours easily our longest episode of us just sitting there breaking down every single pick um so so yeah but um just as a recap uh third round guys that we had uh Cedric Tillman the wide receiver from Tennessee Siaka Iki the defensive tackle from Baylor uh the fourth round Dewan Jones the offensive tackle from Ohio State Isaiah McGuire the edge from Missouri and then you had Dorian Thompson Robinson the quarterback from UCLA Cameron Mitchell the cornerback from uh Northwestern and then to round it all off Luke Wepler the center from Ohio State. So overall, basically, kind of a synopsis, if you're not going to go and watch that episode, which shame on you, um, basically, first part of the draft, you see a lot more of addressing needs, and then later in the draft, kind of getting the value. Yeah, that's that's the Andrew Barry method. Once you get late into the draft, you're not going after guys who are going to make you know, possibly immediate impacts. You're just looking for guys who... Are kind of diamond in the roughs, right? So nothing, nothing too major on that. Um, we're gonna keep rolling on. So then, after kind of the draft settled down, 
Um, and before it a little bit too as well, there was a couple of uh, free agent signings that were kind of huge on the defensive end, in my opinion. And there was more – you see more in the trades of like – the offense being addressed, but the defense was really addressed in free agency, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think this was, and obviously being a Browns fan, there might be bias into this, but I thought this was an incredible offseason. Everything that, you know, you don't have to read and find out what the needs are. We're sitting there watching every game. I can tell you what the needs are from watching, and out of everything that I had, they addressed it with basically the top guy I thought they could have gotten out and got, but... Or at least like top three, yeah. of those guys. Like, you t- we'll talk about safety. You know, you were thinking uh, maybe Jesse Bates or some, you yeah, know, a couple of guys floating around there that are good ball hawk safeties. Didn't get your top one, but on a much cheaper deal, got a guy that's also really effective. So yeah. Um. So my philosophy with Cleveland Twitter, um. Uh, it's a literal cesspool. That's it's a big issue. Cleveland Twitter is, in my opinion, absolutely horrible. Love the passion out of the fans yes. because you know I'm right there with you. But they ask for every single person that's a free agent and don't actually right understand you know what the needs are and what you're looking at in players stuff like that. They just want signings to happen with guys that are big names. Right, and I think there are good elements to. Cleveland sports Twitter. Yeah, and like there, I said, there's I'm a guys sports out fan, there. right? Uh, Corey uh, Keenan, Keenan, I don't know if you follow him. He's a guy that I absolutely love. He has a good grip on it, does a lot of draft stuff. Um, another guy, uh, Jake Burns, I believe it is. Uh, I believe so, yeah. I, I'm sorry that if sounds I'm right, yeah. mispronouncing names or anything like that. It's kind of off the top of my head. But those are two guys that I really kind of look at. Um, Burns is more of a cap salary guy which it's more just very literal, in my opinion. So those are kind of, you pick and choose on who you go and follow, in my opinion. Because there's also people out there that just have such high expectations that just make no sense whatsoever. As I drop my ring and it goes flying. But I think that it's it's hard because they don't un, people don't understand how much of a puzzle this really is because you have so many elements that we don't even factor in everyone's just like oh yeah go get this guy this guy this guy this guy this guy and it's just like that's just not how it works because first off you have to consider you have a cap of about 220 mil i'm pretty sure it's now up to around that range um you have to deal with that you have to deal with the aspect of these are human beings some some people just don't want to come to Cleveland, which, I mean, it's very fair in that sense. They would Some people would rather just go down to Florida or go to Texas because it's a lot warmer and cheaper. But Yeah, and, I mean, not to mention, if you're not worried about the heat, a lot of people like that big aspect. Cleveland, not exactly a, so much to do town if you're a big like partier going out, stuff like that, right. like to see a bunch of things. You'd much rather be in places like... New York, Chicago, stuff like that. Yeah, and it takes us. So it takes a certain type of player to play in Cleveland, and I think people just don't really consider that very often because you just you see, you know, like you said, like everyone wanted like Jesse Bates and all this stuff. Well, then you go out there and Atlanta signs him for the biggest contract for a safety, I believe, and it's just like, well, we couldn't even like afford that, and people were kind of upset in that sense, and I'm like, yeah. 
But, I mean, we're going to go over a couple of the guys that, I mean, there's there's only one safety, but I think it was such a great value that we, we got him at great value. Yeah. And I, I think that everyone just kind of overlooked that sense. And the dude, like, I've been, like, scrolling on Twitter and stuff like that and just kind of, like, following or following along and watching what our guys are starting to say and stuff. The dude seems very, like, into Cleveland now. Uh, it, 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 I mean, we might as well stop beating around the bush on yeah, him, right? We'll, it's it's, it's I mean, Jawan Thornhill. It's Jawan Thornhill. We'll start Juwan off Thornhill, with, yeah. yeah. Thornhill, yeah. So we'll we'll start with Jawan Thornhill. Um, he comes from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he signs with uh, the Browns for three years, 21 mil, and only 14 guaranteed. Um Go ahead. I mean, like, what, what do you what, what did you think then when we did that? Well, first off, let's talk about the the character of the guy right now. I mean, how much he wants to be here. You got a forearm tat of Brownie the Elf, right? Like the dude is like he wants to be here, and that's that's an element that people don't really consider, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's a big thing about here too. Our fans love to see that. That's a guy who you're gonna get behind and be like. You know, it's not a an Andrew Sandejo where you're like, right. oh my God, this guy. <laughs> like, we're going to be realistic when he's on the field. But, like, those little things, like, that's a guy you want to support. I mean, three interceptions last year, nine pass deflections, makes 43 tackles. He's one of the best ball hawk safeties in the league. You got him on a $7 million a year deal. Like, yeah. You're, you're averaging paying him $7 million a year. That is not that much for what he does. And the thing is, we tried to address it in – uh, off seasons before, you know, we had John Johnson come in and it, it just didn't really work out, which is fine. You know, stuff like that happens. Yeah, an awful year last year. For it was John it was Johnson. an awful year, but I'm, I'm not discrediting because he is still a good player in my opinion. I think just fit-wise probably just wasn't there. Agreed. And I think even years past, when you look before last year, the year before that, yeah. looked pretty good. Right. So it, it it's common to see you know, guys just not fit like that, and that's that was the case with with uh, John Johnson in that sense. And unfortunately, you have to go, and then you have to address the need. But like you said, it, I mean, the dude has a tattoo of our logo, and it is the ugliest logo ever. It's an elf. I mean, I, that just that's just one of those things where it's just like you know he's invested into this one, and I. It, so that one, it, it kind of is like, all right, there's the fit. He's not going to be the best safety out on the market in that sense. But it at least shows that he's willing to play here, and he's not just here just to collect the check. Right, and I mean, he's a guy who's produced. Yeah. Three interceptions, nine pass deflections is not bad. Right. And he's a guy that's 27 and was a 2019 second-round pick. Like, there's high potential there, and he's still pretty young. And he played for the Chiefs too, and they've had that reputation of just being a good team. They're not; they were they're never they were never a defensive heavy team, so it kind of at least shows that like he was on a team where they didn't have too much of a defensive emphasis, and they still got it done, and they still won a championship. And talk about a guy with not only playoff but you know Super Bowl experience though. right so that that's one key where it was it, it flew under the radar in, in most books in in my opinion so then you move on and one of the huge needs that we had to go with was addressing the run defense this offseason because it was atrocious and it was mainly because of that front line so you go out there 
and you pick up Dalvin Tomlinson, the defensive tackle from the Minnesota Vikings. Um, it is a four-year, 57 mil, 27 guaranteed, 27.5 guaranteed, my bad. But you got your one tech. I mean, that's that's yeah. how I look at it. You got a guy that's going to absolutely clog the middle. And one of the best run stoppers in the NFL with one of the best run-stopping D coordinators in the NFL. This is literally like a match made in heaven. You look at his stats last year, didn't really put out that much in terms of production, I guess. 19 tackles, two and a half sacks, a forced fumble. But, again, you're not asking this guy to go out and make 10 tackles a game. No. Like, that's not what you're – he's clogs the middle. He forces people to go the other way. Like, it's not always him making the tackle. He sets up everybody else for success. And it's not a big deal because if it was a 3-4 front, I would have more of a concern because then he's going to have to play – more of a zero in that sense. Right. And then I get a little bit more concerned because then you have to do a lot more. But, I mean, like you said, like it just doesn't make it, – it, it wouldn't make sense if you went out there and tried to go and get like a Hardgrove – or Har- Hardgrave, sorry, um, who I think went for 22, I believe. I think so. He that was the highest right, paid yeah. defensive tackle, and it was uh, the 49ers go out and sign him. So it was – I mean – you get a guy that just does the job. And I think the only – we're going to go into it a little bit later about different – like any other needs that we really haven't addressed. But it, it at least gives you a little bit of time to develop Ika as well too. And then if you could get those two firing at the same time, maybe next year, it's going to be really deadly. And I do want to clarify the 19 tackles of their solo tackles. Total tackles is up to 42, and that was only in 12 games. Yeah. So – Overall, you do a good job of addressing the run defense in Dalvin Tomlinson and then also with Siaka Iki as well. And a guy, by the way, who feel like he's been in the league forever and been really good, 29. Yeah. Like, he's not even 30 yet. These are underrated guys who are just, you know, younger than you expect. And that's a, a 29 birthday in February, so you get him. This is a whole tw- age 29 yeah. season. You're basically what it looks like in four with a four year deal is you're probably going to get the most out of his like the very end of his prime. Um, you know, it's because I mean, what 30, 33, it would be 32, 33. Yeah. I suck at math, so don't don't judge me in that sense. But I mean, you're you're going to get the last of his prime in that sense. So, and even uh, I think D tackles too, age less impactful. Yeah, I think I mean you see guys like obviously not making the comparison here because it's one of the best D tackles of all time, but Vince Wilfork feels like he played until he was you know sixty five. Well, and the and it helps because it's a rotational thing too. Right, they're not always playing every down, kind of like a running back where it's just like they're done and like they they peak at twenty eight and then they just fall off a cliff kind of thing. Right, run yourself into the ground quite right. literally. Literally. So um, another thing that kind of happened then this offseason was Javadion Clowney. That one was kind of huge. We really didn't touch on it. We probably should have talked about it more with Kareem Hunt. But he goes out there. He just seems very dissatisfied with the franchise. Kind of wants to be the the edge one on a team. And when you, you're playing alongside Miles Garrett, you're simply not going to be that guy. Um, and nor do I think that he is ever going to be that guy. Good in run defense, but I don't particularly care if my edges are like 
really good at run defense, in my opinion. If you can get my, your job is just to get after the quarterback, and he wasn't terrible at it, but he wasn't first overall pick, like he said he was drafted in that sense. So I don't know. I just I think that that was such a weird situation, and he ended up not playing the last game of the year. I'm pretty sure. So I think it. One of the needs then was, okay, who's going to fill up that role and be an edge to in Cleveland? And then when you looked at the market, it was kind of strange in the sense of like there wasn't any big time names really popping out on the edge. Yeah, um, no, nothing really. Nothing nothing too big. But overall, you didn't even really need a big time name. You just needed that edge too, where it's just like they have decent enough production so that takes enough off of Miles Garrett, and they don't have to go and double team him. And you go out there, and I am so sorry if I botch this name because we were talking about it earlier. The guy seems like a great dude, but you go and you sign Ogbo Okonkwo. Um, he was a former Houston Texan uh, the year before, but then he also played on the Super Bowl team with the Rams, who obviously they won in 2020. It's 2020 or 2021? 2020 or Technically, it would be 2021, I but believe. The 20, yeah, 2021 season, whatever, however you want to say That's why I it. like MLB, because it's just like the 2023 season. Yeah, it all plays yeah. in one year, right? Right, so, but, and then it just always throws a screwball. So anyways, he is, he comes in, and your expectation with that signing is, all right, we got our edge too. He's younger, which is kind of nice. Didn't have to pay too much. He's, it comes in on a three-year 19 mil, um, and then twelve point five guaranteed. So overall, I was I was pretty happy with the signing. It wasn't a total slam dunk, but I mean, I was okay with it at the time. I was initially like, "Who is this guy?" Because right. again, playing for the Texans, you don't really get that much uh, attention. No, like you get basically none because they're absolutely abysmal right. defensively, maybe more than offensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're a complete you know screw up of a team right now. Yeah, but. Went in and looked at it. He's a guy that gets to the quarterback. Yeah. And that's huge for this because we can go back and talk about Jim Schwartz here for a second. A guy whose D tackles really seal up the middle, stop the run. And we mentioned he doesn't blitz, and he doesn't do it because he gets really good pressure out of his edges. And that is going to be huge in this. You can't put a lot of emphasis on a guy like a Conquo when you have to basically double Miles Garrett every possession. He's going to be successful in this offense. Defense, you mean? It, nice defense, yeah. Nice. It's that cold getting to you, dude. Man. Yeah, it's it's we're we're reeling the deal out here. Right? Offense, defense, it's it's all yeah. the same. It's yeah. it's all football. But yeah, so it. I mean, you were thinking, okay, there's your edge too. We're all good in that sense. But later on, we're gonna talk about the trades, and that's why I keep saying like, oh, you know, you thought, you thought, you thought, because obviously trade just went down last week. Um, it would be exactly. This week after this podcast airs because of Friday. Yes, We're filming yep. this on Wednesday uh, right now because Jake is busy this weekend. But, yeah, so overall it was it was a good signing, and it got even better in the sense of the trade that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Which, by the way, can't be much worse than Jadavian Clowney last year. Correct. I and mean, that's the other thing. It's a completely different just – you got a guy now that actually can go after the quarterback, not just seal up the run defense. Yeah. 
I so, mean, a, a hungry guy out there who really hasn't had his chance to right be a star. And now, not that he's going to be the best DN, but he can make a real impact. Yeah, and it, it's going to help too because the attention will be focusing on Miles Garrett, and they're also now he's going to be more of a rotational guy too once we get into that because we have two more names that we want to discuss first um we're going to just clump them together because there weren't big time signings like all the other guys but they were key depth pieces in my opinion and that was the tight end Jordan Atkins from the Houston Texans we got another guy from the Texans and then Marquise Goodwin the wide receiver from the San Francisco 49ers um again depth pieces in this one you get Atkins coming in two years, 3.9 mil, only 1.7 guaranteed. And then the same thing, even lower on Goodwin, uh, one year, 1.25 mil. Um, nothing nothing major in that sense. No, I think you get a, a tight end that's going to block pretty well there, you know, maybe catch a few passes. Only had 37 receptions last year. They didn't go for 500 yards. And then Goodwin. He'll fill in. He'll you know run some routes. He's just not going to be a star. You, you get veteran presence in the locker room. Yeah, I think with Atkins, it was more of do we want to keep rolling Harrison Bryan out as our tight end too? Because we have seen before, in the sense of the um, sorry, I just drew a blank on his name. Um, Stefanski goes out and he he likes to run those two tight end sets occasionally. So I think if you get a guy that could at least catch a few passes, but also is good in the, the run blocking and just pass blocking in general too, it helps a lot. But yeah, that's a good depth piece there. And then Goodwin, I didn't mind that one either, especially if you can get him for, I mean, a mil basically. Yeah, literally a million dollars. It's, he's going to come in. He's good, speedy, wide receiver four. That's how I view it because you got – now you got Elijah Moore. People were going to try to force him into that wide receiver three role, which I would have been a little bit concerned about. But, oh, I would have been a lot of bit concerned about. Yes. Yeah, so, and we're going to talk about the why he's not obviously in a couple of seconds here. But overall, I mean, it, it was something that we needed in our wide receiving room was speed, and we lacked that a ton. So then you get a guy in here that kind of also then helps develop, like gives time to Tillman to really develop as a rookie as well, too, and you don't have to really force him into that role. So overall, I mean, just kind of a a couple of just slight key guys that you may see occasionally on the field at some point. Yeah, kind of back-end signings, guys that aren't going to be like, oh, you sign this guy, you win the Super Bowl kind of moves. But they're also going to be like, you know, guy made an impact at some point. Yeah, I agree. So going moving forward – the trades. There were two main trades that I really want to go into. Um, the first one being Elijah Moore, a wide receiver from he came from the New York Jets. So he comes over, and the deal was we gave up our second round pick, but in return we did get the Jets' third round pick, which was ended up being pick seventy four. Our pick that we gave up was pick forty two. And we also get Elijah Moore. So basically, we just moved back. I mean, what thirty-two spots then in the in the draft? Yeah. That was just just for Elijah Moore. Um, that was a complete deal. Like I, I, I'm shocked that we did that. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna have to wait and see how he pans out. Of course, 
New York not as high on the guy. I'm really high on Elijah I'm Moore. I'm so high on him. I loved him, not last season, but the year before. And you don't really get two full seasons out of him. It's sort of like partial seasons. He just fell out of favor last year in New York, even like right in the beginning. Well, and he had a brick of a quarterback, too, so that doesn't help. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> and then year one, I think that was a little bit of an injury, if I'm not mistaken. I yeah, think a little was... bit. It was something lingering, I'm pretty sure. But he came around at the end of his rookie year and was kind of a favorite of Zach Wilson at the time. Yeah, I mean, it, he was a guy that I thought was you know, pretty much tearing it apart. I mean, looking at his, you know, Yards that year, just in his game log, I mean, he had 67 off of six catches against the Bengals two years ago, 141 off of eight catches against the Dolphins, 77 against the Eagles on six catches where he had 12 targets, uh, and touchdowns in there too, five in, I think, 11 games. It's like, there. It Yeah, you've seen, you've seen glimpses of it, and now I think you hopefully get better quarterback play. You're expecting Deshaun Watson to take the step up. And I literally, it's a cliche, but the sky's the limit for the dude. Yeah, and the thing is, we lacked a slot. We had time. we had a one. That was one of the big needs was getting that wide receiver too this this off season. And you have your one in Amari Cooper. You have a three in Donovan Peoples Jones, but you don't have a two, and you didn't have it in the slot. And it fills the perfect void right there because one, he can play the spot. And then two, he can also just, he's a deep threat because we lacked a true deep threat. We used Amari Cooper too much in the deep game, in my opinion, because we didn't have anyone else to really go out there and really break the defense. So I just, I was so happy with this one. I think the Jets just totally didn't know how to use them. Um, I don't mind Matt LaFleur. Um, but I mean, they just they couldn't use him, and then and then they go out. And the funny thing is, right before they he gets traded, they go out and they sign uh, Miko Hartman from the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, which I was just it was ironic because you're that's that's your replacement really over Elijah Moore. But it, I don't know, it was kind of a dumb trade for the Jets in my opinion. But I, it it honestly felt like he was. He just needed to get out of there. I think he yeah. just wanted out of there at that point. I think it was a change of scenery thing. And Michael Hardman, by the way, not a bad receiver. He was actually one of the guys, free agent-wise, I was looking for the Browns to target. Because, again, need a slot guy with speed. Hardman was probably one of the better ones on the market. But if you're going to go out and make a trade, I'd much rather have Elijah Moore yeah. in this case. Well, and the thing is, too, like with Hardman and a couple of the guys that we were linked to – um, I just didn't see them being a wide receiver, too. Yeah, I don't know if that's... I mean, Miko, like I said, he's good, but it's... He's more of a three, in my opinion. I mean, and if you can't really carve out a role in that Chiefs offense, right? there's I mean, some questions there. He had a role, but you're not going to get the same play out of Deshaun that you're getting out of Patrick Mahomes. Right. So like, I, I, and believe, Deshaun, I think, has the potential to once again be a top-five quarterback. Yeah. Obviously, it's there. You've seen it years ago, but... I don't one. I don't think you're getting that this year, and two. I don't think even what you saw out of Deshaun is what you get out of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the dude's the best quarterback in the NFL, right? Hands down. And I mean, I don't know. Either way, I think that that's one of the key needs that they went after because that was my big thing. It was you got to go and address that wide receiver room, and they ended up doing that. So I do think Elijah Moore could be a two in the league. That's 
my overall general consensus over this is he can step into that role. I don't think he could be a one. We'll, we'll clarify no, that yeah. one. I, I think size is a little bit of an issue in that sense. Um, but overall, I mean, there was also talks about us trying to get Marvin Mims in the draft, yeah. which I love too. But the, the ironic thing about all of this Guess what my comp was for Marvin Mims? It's Elijah Moore. It was Elijah Moore. So it's just kind of like, okay, well, you get the proven commodity and you just move 32 uh, picks back. So overall, love the trade for us. I think we did such an amazing job in the trading market this offseason. But um, because we go on in May 12th, just out of nowhere, I'm at the guards game. I was there too, yep. All of a sudden, I see Zadarius Smith gets traded. I'm like, okay, well, where is he going? He's coming to Cleveland. I was completely shocked by this one. I didn't expect it, especially with Okonkwo coming in and going to be that edge two kind of guy. I didn't really expect it. Yeah, I'm, I was not ready for them to go out and make that trade at all. At all. At all. But the thing is, so they go out there. The, the deal was we gave up a 2024 fifth rounder and then a 2025 fifth rounder yeah we gave up those two but in return he's been doing a lot of these Andrew Barry's been doing a lot of these pick swaps recently Andrew Barry is a man of many talents and fleecing other GMs might be at the top he's been doing it so he ends up we get so we end up getting Zadarius Smith in it and then you also get a 2025th 6th round and 7th round pick. I cannot speak with these terms of the trades. But overall, I mean, like, if you're only giving up two-fifths for this kind of production, really insane in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who had 10 sacks. 10 sacks last year. Again, compare him to Jadavian Clowney. You're already better. There's yeah. no way you walk in and get two or two and a half. You're blowing that out of the water. It's Darius Smith, 30 years old, too. It's... Again, these guys that you feel like are been in the league forever and are beyond old, I mean, 30, you know, you're coming up towards the end of your prime, but you still got years in you. It's a guy that's not falling off a cliff or anything. No, I, by all means, I don't think he's falling off a cliff either. Um, I think that, I mean, I the Browns have a case to be the best defensive front or at least the probably the most productive edge group in the league. I mean, if you look at it, you got a guy that should be an edge two that's now a rotational guy, and then you have an edge one that's an edge two, and then you have Miles Garrett on top of all of that. Yeah, I mean, like a top three edge in the league, and that's probably being... And you're not even including Dalvin Tomlinson in that, being right? your one tech. Like, so, I, I mean, it's an unreal trade for Barry. Like, I, as soon as it happened, we were both at the guards game, not even together, we just oh, happened we, to be there. there too. Yeah, huh. I was sitting at the game. I know I texted you. I was just like Zadarius, like yeah. with a bunch of question He's marks insane. and exclamation marks. Like I thought we were done for the off season. Yeah, I, I did didn't, too. Like I thought I looked at this team and I was like, oh, they're high on a uh, but that's basically it. Yeah, like this team's not gonna go out and make any more moves. You know, you gotta have weaknesses somewhere. And they're just like, no, let's just go get Zadarius Smith. Yeah. Let's just cap it off. And it sounded like with Smith, it was more of, I don't think he was really happy there. Um, so I guess a change of scenery again kind of thing. So, I mean, dude, if we can get all these guys that <laughs> need a change of scenery, I mean, why not at this point? 
Right. I'm, that's, and I think that's a big Barry thing too. You go take guys who don't want to be where they're at, or you know, I mean, cases Deshaun Watson, Kareem Hunt, guys that have kind of messed up mm-hmm. and just need another avenue to come play. And you just set them straight and give them like new life, you know. Yeah, and you get better values out of them. If a guy goes, I don't want to play for you. If Zary Smith goes, I don't really want to be in Minnesota anymore. The value goes down. Yeah, you're getting. That's how you get these better deals for these guys. They're like, he doesn't want to be here. He doesn't really want to play here. You're either getting bad production or he's going to sit out. You're going to get him on a better deal. Right. And the thing is, too, they also it's a better contract. Like they, he wants something of. He's in a tight contract. And Andrew Barry just kind of takes the cap on at that point, and then he reworks it at the end. So I think he he does a good job of manipulating the cap too. So overall, that's kind of how the offseason went for the Browns. Um, To kind of recap, uh, Jim Schwartz has come in as the defensive coordinator. Uh, We signed Dalvin Tomlinson. You bring Okonkwo in, uh, Juan Thornhill, Jordan Atkins, Marquise Goodwin, uh, and then with the trades, you get Elijah Moore and Zadarius Smith. So that kind of rounds it out. Hey, enjoying this edition of Mistake by the Take? Never miss an episode by hitting the follow button on the podcast and by dropping a follow on all of our socials. That's at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Again, at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show. Um, but there's a couple other topics that need to be kind of discussed. Um moving forward with the team. I think the first one that has been rumbling around Twitter recently was, what will this wide receiver room look like? In pre-draft, it was kind of a thing where it's like, all right, your locks are Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Marquise Goodwin. Goodwin could be iffy, mainly because it's um, it's only one mil for the contract. So I, I don't know if he's necessarily a lock anymore, but then you throw Cedric Tillman into the mix, and now he's a for-sure lock. The big thing is it looks like the magic number is going to be six for that wide receiving room, and it'll be only carrying six guys. So then that leaves out guys like Jalen Darden, Isaiah Weston, Michael Woods the second, uh, David Bell, Jakeem Grant, and Anthony Schwartz. Those are kind of your bubble guys that you don't consider a lock. And if you can do the math correctly – you have five locks right now, including Marquise Goodwin. So we're gonna we're we decided we're gonna play a little bit of a game here with how process. Good old we're taking it back to to the grade school. You know, you're taking a test, right? It's process of elimination. So we're gonna go through we're gonna go through all the bubble guys and see basically process of elimination who we can land with as the final wide receiver of this piece. So I think first things first, we got to eliminate our guy. Unfortunately, get Anthony Schwartz off yeah, my screen. Gone. Yep. So um, Anthony Schwartz has been quickly eliminated off of the bubble. Um, I mean, dude, he he sucks. There, there's just, no there's no need to sugarcoat it. There's no need to go around it. He is downright awful. You've seen Andrew Barry take a wide receiver in the third round for the third consecutive year now. 
which scares me about Cedric Tillman because he is he's 0 for 2 right now. On yeah. It. So Tillman could be 0 for 3 in this oh, sense. And I'm not, we're not talking 0 for 2 like, ah, just didn't pan out. We're talking a bad 0 for 2. Like, these guys could barely touch the field 0 for 2. David Bell has, like, rarely touched the field. That was such a bad pick, in my opinion. He was slow. He can only play in the slot. Didn't have the best of hands. He had a lot of production at Purdue, but that was about it. That was the only aspect that you really like. So he was budget Jarvis Landry, yeah, and like Which extremely you, budget, like Walmart. Not even, like Walmart is generous, like off-brand, good value budget. He just did not make any sort of sense in the in the case of we we needed speed from the slot, and it was like okay, he can maybe develop into our slot guy. Well, when he runs a four-six-one, he's not going to develop into a prominent slot guy. You're looking more than at like a Jacoby Myers at that sense, and I would much rather not have Jacoby Myers on the team. So that eliminates Anthony Schwartz and David Bell. I'm assuming you're, you're yeah. You're okay David with... Bell could easily be my next guy out. I, okay, I yeah, I'm, don't want to. You know, that's either. that's fair too. Um, so that leaves Jalen Darden, Isaiah Weston, Michael Woods the second, and Jakeem Grant. So who who do you think is our next guy out? What what are what are we thinking here? I think I got a guy. I I don't have a lot on Darden and Weston. Honestly, I haven't seen them play. It's been a few years, so those guys are kind of question marks to me. I'm assuming that's going to be more up your alley. So I'll give a little bit of background for a couple of the guys that that we have left. So right now, Jalen Darden, he was I believe a fourth rounder in the 2020 draft. It was either third or fourth round by the Buccaneers. Gets cut last year. We bring him in. So that's that that's Darden. Isaiah Weston's an interesting story. He was a very athletic, raw prospect last year in the 2022 draft. Uh, not a big school. I'm pretty sure Northern Iowa kid. Um, it was it was a, a purple and yellow school. I remember, but uber athletic, just not very good at the wide receiver position. Kind of like an Anthony Schwartz in a sense, but just a lot bigger. I think he was like 6'4", and he was pretty fast. You nailed both of those. Northern Iowa, and he's 6'4". Boom. I knew that. And then you got Michael Woods, uh, the second. I believe he was a six-rounder out of... I, I remember Woods, yeah. He, he's played some snaps here. Yeah. I, I want to say Oklahoma, but I'm not 100% sure. I we're know just, it's We're just marooning. playing a game of does Dylan know... It's a lot Random of the wide receivers yeah. on the rosters right, right now. I just love I love the the draft process and knowing these random guys. He wasn't even he was an undrafted free agent for me. Let's let's be real. Um and while you're looking that up, yeah, it did finish at Oklahoma in 2021 was it. Arkansas before there. Mm, man, so good at this stuff. And then lastly finishing it off, uh Jakeem Grant tears his ACL last year. Dude, where'd he go to college? What? <laughs> so where'd he go to college? Ooh, I don't know what you keep that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I did, just a joke. Just a joke. Yeah, yeah. Taking shots at yeah. me. Wow. All right. No. <laughs> um, we had a good game going there. Right. We had a good game. We did. Um, but Jakeem Grant tears his ACL. Um, he was kind of brought in to be your speed guy and then also your kick punt returner. Which is why I'm going to make the argument that I think two of these guys could stay. Because I think you do still yeah. struggle with a special teams guy. You don't have a locked in one. I think... It's not crazy to think that you keep Grant on the roster just as a special teams guy. Unless you convert Goodwin. That's yeah, I mean it's that's my only that's that's it's definitely possible. I don't know what the rest of the you know, where you're looking to carry guys. 
kind yeah. of where roster depth you pans can out also with a 53. throw you can also throw Demetric Felton in here but I was considering more as a running back but he doesn't really have too much role I mean yeah. if we're talking special teams then yeah um so I think probably Weston goes first if he hasn't really shown anything and he was an undrafted free agent that's my concern with him I I don't think he makes it in that sense what do you think yeah, I mean, it's. I almost have less faith. Again, haven't seen either of the two guys, Weston or Darden, play, but I almost have less faith in Darden. You're going to burn a fourth round pick on a guy with the Bucks, but the decently is, strong wide receiver core there, but didn't even make that. He got cut. Yeah, but that's the thing. It is a. It's a strong wide receiving core there. That's the problem. I mean, we say strong. Do we really mean strong though? Like, I, I guess you have. A big two. You got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but you. But he he does have that speed too. He he's he's a speed guy. I, I did forget to include that. So I mean, potentially that could be your guy there. So I don't know. I think Weston at least goes first, and not I, at least. But it, I think we can knock out Weston because he can't. Because it looks like for right now we're trying to fill that void of a kick returner. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean. Weston probably wouldn't even touch the field. Let's right. be realistic here. And and I don't not I that don't, any of these guys sitting in the sixth slot are going to be touching crazy time. But. And that's the thing too. I mean, he's a undrafted free agent. That right. does not help. So then you look at the rest. I think. I mean, my best bet is. I mean, I think it's between Darden and Grant. I don't think you keep Woods because didn't. Wasn't there an injury too? Aren't we consider like we? Yeah, I think he did deal with a little bit of an injury last year, and no, only, like this year, like he did something like like training camp already. Yeah, hmm. He did. I know. I know for a fact because everyone has been has been talking about that one recently. It was some he ruptured his Achilles. Yeah. Why? Why is he not? Uh, well, yeah. Rip him off the list. Okay. He's yeah. Gone. He's gone. So it is between right now, Darden, and Jakeem Grant. This is such a weird conversation. Yeah. I, I, I'm i a person of proven commodities. I'm going Grant. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. The I, only thing that I have a concern with is the fact that he did. He is coming off of an injury. Yeah, he is. But, I mean, it is a proven commodity, and it's, it, we are arguing about a wide receiver six. And this is also a guy who last year I was actually high on, and I really liked the signing. Yeah, I did, too. Before he got hurt. Speed guy, again, really didn't, didn't have anything. Yeah, didn't really care to see him on the field either. Right on the offense. I mean, it would have been cool, you know, slots in there a little bit, but it was mostly the return. Yeah, our return game is abysmal. Our just special I teams mean, is abysmal too. Yeah, so. it's like there's no nobody locked in at the return spot. No, like you're and seeing DPJ pro- back there yeah. sometimes. He's he's proven to be that kind of guy. Like, yeah, I mean, like he's a great returner, right? And you don't know that with Darden too, um, but I mean, you have seen, um, AB kind of likes those guys for some reason that can really like that did not really pan out. It's more of like yeah. a first round pick. We've seen that a couple times, but I mean, he's younger too, so I don't know. I think yeah, we're gonna have to go with Grant as being the sixth guy. Yeah, like I said. I, I'll stick with Grant. I think Grant would make the roster over yeah. Darden. I would not be that appalled to see both of them make the roster if yeah. they like Darden and he shows some stuff. Yeah, I mean, I could see that, yeah. 
But overall, I mean, we are fighting about a wide receiver six at this point. That's yeah. what we, that's what our lives have yeah. come to. That's uh, well, the life of talking it's sports. Fun, you know? yeah. When you lock yourself no, I mean, in and talking it. the Cleveland Browns in I, the offseason. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, you're going to talk about a wide receiver six and a guy who probably ends up with seven receptions this and year. And listen, I've seen so many fights on Twitter about this too. It's crazy. Like people are like, "Oh, it should be this guy. It should be that guy." And I'm like, "Like it's a wider. Like I don't care." Yeah. Well, you but we care, just but talked we, about yeah. it. Yeah, we but just we talked do. about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll so, sit here and argue. We, I guess with you. I do care. I'll sit here and argue with you. Who makes the 75 man? Yeah. You know, preseason I mean, I roster. Too. Yeah. But oh well. So we're gonna move on from that. Our final decision was Jakeen Grant being the sixth and final wide receiver with the potential of Jalen Darden being the seventh guy. So the next topic that I wanted to get into was the running back two spot. Um, Obviously, you have your running back one solidified in Nick Chubb. That's not a question there. It's more of a sense of, who is going to be that pace of play guy? We touched on it earlier at the beginning. And right now, you're looking at currently the roster has Jerome Ford, Nick Chubb, Josh, John Kelly, and Hassan, Hassan Hall, the kid that they brought in, the undrafted free agent, and uh, Nate McCray. M- McCray? I don't know who that is. He, he's from Saginaw Valley State. So that's that's a big one right there in the 2021 draft. Yeah, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, the RB2 is not going to be him. Ah, darn. Um, I'm re- really pulling for that one. I, I Honestly, that, he probably doesn't make the roster. No, right? like, no, he will not be making the roster. I don't know if Hassan Hall will be making the roster either. I've yet to see his film. Um, I've been trying to look for it. It's like nowhere. Granted, I mean, he is from like Georgia Tech, which I mean... N- no one's really watching Georgia Tech football nowadays, in my opinion. Yeah, not that much. But, um, yeah, I mean, right now, it is Jerome Ford being that running back, too. And a lot of people, it seems like it's split on you either really like Jerome Ford coming out of college or you didn't really care for him and you want someone else to be in that role. And it wouldn't be such a big problem if we didn't use a second running back so prominently in our lineup. So I'm going to go and straight up say I wasn't the biggest fan of Jerome Ford coming out of college. He has shown some flashes, though I will say, of being potentially that guy in taking up that role that Kareem Hunt had. I think another aspect that we really haven't touched on too is I didn't really care for him in the pass game. That's the problem because Kareem Hunt was your pass catching back. And now you kind of are like, all right, yeah, he could be our pace of play, but you're losing that pass catching element. And and maybe I'm crazy here, but you could roll out three running backs. You could. No, like, I, I totally, because we've seen it with Dearness Johnson. He has like carved out somewhat of a role sometimes in the past. And I think... But you had Kareem as the pass catcher, so you could go more to a two-heavy set. If it's and a then, passing down, yeah. you could literally just go to Demetric Felton. Yeah. He's shown much more in the pass game than he has. I mean, he's literally listed on the roster as a running back wide receiver. Yeah, like he doesn't have a like a specific designation at that position. Like he's, they PFF, consider him both. Yeah, PFF has him as a wide receiver right now. Yeah, like 
I don't think it's crazy to think that you could roll him in passing downs. You also, you know, we haven't really seen Jerome Ford touch a field in the NFL yeah, right now. That's the fa- that's the other thing too. He we could have know. developed better in the passing game. And Nick Chubb, he can catch a pass. It's not like he's incompetent it's not like he's to a, do it. Yeah, no, for sure. But it it, it at least helped with the longevity of Nick Chubb. I having fully that. agree. Yeah. So, and he's not Nick Chubb isn't the fastest guy. He's not going to no. be a guy that breaks away and just has a home run play. He doesn't have the home run ability. But he's just a very good all-around back in that sense. Like a traditional running back will get you five yards a carry kind of thing. So, I mean, I don't I don't mind it if we rolled out Jerome Ford as our running back too. I don't – but it, I feel like stylistically you're just kind of repetitive in the sense of you have already Nick Chubb and now you have Jerome Ford, which is kind of the same, same style in that sense. Yeah, I don't – they're similar, but they're not. I I don't actually think that you need to have like these two guys who are that different, though. Yeah. Right. Like I think that's a really overrated thing that we took for granted just because we had it. Mm-hmm. But we also had two guys who are RB one level running backs in the last couple years. Like right, Kareem Hunt could have gone somewhere else and not Cleveland and been the best running back after his first year here. Like easily been the RB one. You're not getting that with Ford. Like without Hunt, the run game is taking a step back. It is, and we know that because we're talking about how we're going to pass the ball more as an offense. That's the conversation right now. That's the other thing, too, where I'm a little bit concerned. Unless we're going to go to – unless we're really actually going to go into this Tennessee offense with – God forbid, I hope we do not run an air raid system like Tennessee does where we're stacking the wide receivers because I would be so upset about that. I don't think you're going to. I think you're seeing one where – the, the conversation is this offense the last few years have been really heavy on the run. That's where everything starts. Yeah. You're seeing your quarterback take, you know, 20 to 25 pass attempts a game. You're, you're actually, You actually now have a quarterback, though. That's that's basically it. Right. Like, you can't just go pay Deshaun Watson a bunch of money and only let him throw the ball 23 times in a game. Like, you got to put it in his hands at some point. And yeah. I think it, you're just going to see a balanced attack. I think that's what it is. It's not an air raid, but it's also not run heavy. Right. And I think fans are always, you know, they're pounding the table saying, we we want to run the rock, we have Nick Chubb, we can do this, we've shown success with it. It's like, no, you actually have a quarterback that has shown the ability to play the position for once. I mean, God forbid we've never had that, it, it feels yeah, like. Almost ever, it feels like. I mean, like yeah. Baker Mayfield put together a couple good years there. Yeah. But. but other than that, I mean, it's just like, I don't know, I, I, I'm really kind of, I, I, I just, I think that it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think we should go out and sign an old free agent running back. That's the next point that I wanted to talk on with the RB2 discussion because Twitter had a yeah, little bit of don't a— Don't beat around the bush, Dylan. Yeah, don't beat around the bush. Right, we know who you're talking about. Bush. Yeah, we've seen—there was, there was a topic of conversation on Twitter. This is being currently recorded on Wednesday. It was on Tuesday where there was a suggestion by someone saying, hey— it would make a lot of sense if Ezekiel Elliott came back. It not came back, but came and signed with the Browns. I'm not gonna totally bash it. Okay, I'm not. I'm. This isn't me like defending it by all means. The philosophy behind it was mainly based around the fact that Ezekiel Elliott was from Ohio State and he played two hours down, and I could see the concept of, yeah, he is more of gonna be that. 20 like he's going to be that RB2 right 
And I think he's starting to fully accept that role. But, I mean, I was talking about Corey earlier. I'm going to bring him up again. I mean, a team – he tweets this out after after all this kind of rumbling. He says, and I quote, a tweet that just cut a 27-year-old running back whose play speed fell off a cliff is not going to sign another 27-year-old running back whose play speed has fallen off a cliff. It makes no sense. If you're going to play that game of, okay, yeah, he's from Ohio State, yeah, cool, whatever, sell the juries and stuff like that. But he's not going to—I would much rather than at that point just have Jerome Ford. Like, I just don't think that it it makes any sense if you're actually talking schematically if you brought in Ezekiel Elliott in that sense. You said you're not going to complete bash it. I will. What are we talking about right now? Here we go. What is (laughs) going on? He's 27 years old. He was getting paid $11 million, more than that, last year. Like, you don't have the money to go out and sign this guy to be a mediocre RB2. And don't get me wrong, I love Ezekiel Elliott. I'm an Ohio State fan through and through. This guy is, you know, an absolute stud coming out of college. He's one of my favorite players. I have his Ohio State jersey. Yeah, Like, I'm all for him, but it's just not the same guy. We're talking running backs here. Your your play is limited. You're the most replaceable position in football. He wants money. You're not going to go for making you know ten twelve million dollars to saying, oh sure I'll take a three million dollar contract. Like no, it's not going to happen. It's now and it's like and not that he's worth three million because I think he's better than that still. But yeah, you just don't have money to pay him like some outrageous contract. No, and the thing is like then how about this, Leonard Fournette? Would you bring him in? No. See. Like, and I like Lenny, too. I thought Lenny was a dog for his whole career. Playoff Lenny, traffic. I was on that. Uh, yeah. And, and even better when he was in Jacksonville, but... Basically the same age. I believe Leonard Fournette is 28 years old, so, like, one year young, uh, one year older. But, um, yeah, he is 28 years old. Just fact-checked it. Um, but, I mean, like, if you're just going for the, the fact that he's an Ohio State running back, no. You're, at that point, you're just trying to sell jerseys and... I mean, granted, I probably would buy an Ezekiel Elliott Browns jersey. Oh, yeah, That'd be I probably sick. would too, right. But the thing is, like, it just it makes no sense because I'm not going to say that he has – he does – I guess he – no, I'm, I'm not even going to say it because I was – I thought, like, maybe he has enough juice, but he his, his play has fallen off, and he's truly a running back too in this sense. And it's more of he's going to be a guy where if an injury happens with the team – and their running back room is depleted, then he comes in. You know, I just I just don't really see it with him right right now. Um, I mean, I, I honestly wouldn't mind if he went to, like, a place like Tampa Bay because mainly mainly I'm, like, so – I was really high on Rashad White coming out of college, but now I'm, like, really low on him. I think his production just sucked last year. And so now their running back room is Chase Edmonds and Rashad White. So, like, I mean, that makes more sense than rather just throw him in with Nick Chubb and, like, you already have an established run game and you have someone that is a little bit unproven that still needs some time to at least prove himself in Jerome Ford. And you've seen that the Browns, they had, I said it earlier, they had a chance to address the running back position in this draft, and they just didn't. And they and went, that should tell you all you need to know. That should tell you that they... Trust your own Ford moving forward, at least for this year. And they didn't make any big 
trades or free agent signings, nor did I think that they were going to. I thought maybe a smaller free agent signing, like a, like a Jarrett McKinnon was maybe in play there, but he goes back to the Chiefs now. I, I just, I don't even, but it, it just, the writing's on the wall. Like, I don't, I don't understand why we can't really accept the fact that it would just be to sell jerseys and it would not help us excel as a team. Also, let's just blow a hole in it. it you don't need a star running back in this offense. No, you don't. Like, Dearness Johnson was tearing teams apart for over 100 yards. It's a and good system. He was a guy that, before he was on the Browns, was fishing for mahi-mahi right. on a boat, not yeah. in the NFL. Like, you don't need a star running back. This offense thrives, and you have Nick Chubb. Your two-guy doesn't have to be an Ezekiel Elliott. Nope. Also, for those Ohio State fans, if you want an Ohio State running back, go sign Trey Sermon if yeah. you want to sell a jersey. Like, I know Zeke's bigger, but like, if that's your argument— he's y- He's younger then too. Yeah, he's a younger guy who was good in college, like third round want, draft pick too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you want a guy that you know, an Ohio State guy that that's all you want it for, go get Trey Sermon. Yeah. Well, and the thing not is, not that I want him, but right. I'm just saying to poke and hold that argument. Like, not 27 year old Zeke who's going to cost millions. You want me to completely tear apart this argument? Go how for about it. how about this? Ready? Drive two more hours down. Guess what? Jerome Ford went to. Cincinnati. Yeah, right. And not even two more hours. It's honestly probably less than that. You're probably talking an hour, hour and a half from Yeah, from Columbus. Columbus I'm just thinking Cincy. from the sense of Cleveland right. is about four. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't made the trip down to Cincinnati in a while. It's about four, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, and you could say like, oh, okay, but the Bengals and stuff like that. No, I don't care. Like, that's that's Ohio right there still. If you're going to say, ooh, the Bengals, they're closer to Columbus than we are anyway. So. Right. So I, either way, I just think that it, the writing's on the wall. It's most likely going to be Jerome Ford unless for some reason they come out and, I mean, maybe Hassan Hall just I, lights it up and maybe takes over, but I don't see that happening. It's going to be Ford. I think the real question should be then, what are you going to do with that RB3? Um, you could potentially see Hassan Hall step up. Again, I, I don't want to put my name attached to that one just yet, just because I haven't checked the film. I'm... I'm constantly searching for this one because it is it's really hard to find film on some of these guys and you would think like georgia tech that would be a lot easier right. since it's acc a, it's a power five school right nowhere anywhere on the internet so but who knows because i think that will be a need that somewhat it, that will be addressed at some point maybe felton but i don't know yeah where can i get these guys film on huddle come on where's the the play-by-play breakdown yeah Huddle, my guy? That's for high schoolers. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, let me see some tape. I'm going to pu- I'm I'll plug in someone really quick then. Caddy Cutups on Patreon. Dude's a dog. Like he all draft season, he finds all 22 film for all like any prospect you can ask for. And he, I mean, I had every prospect that I, I I went to his film and he's cheap too. It's only $2 a month. So yeah, I mean that's basically nothing. There you go. If you free little shout out, yeah, free little shout out there. If you if you are interested in draft content or anything like that, and want to see some guys that played in college or just want to get general all college twenty two film, you know, that's that's your guy. Caddy Cutups Patreon. Look and again, up. yeah, not sponsored, nothing not like sponsored. that. Nope, just free shout out. Dylan free shout the guy out. out of nowhere, I just so. I love the guy too. So yeah, um, but kind of wrapping it up here. Um, is there any other needs you think? I mean, we talked a little bit about before the show. I agree with you, and I know these are going to be your points too. It's, yeah, you know, a little bit of cornerback depth, maybe some mm-hmm. edge depth. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe you talk safety depth, but you got those in undrafted free agent signings: Ronnie Hickman, yeah, Tanner McAllister. If you want to keep him around, 
I think Ron, and I think there yeah. was one more signing of a safety, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, it's I right here. I can't remember who off the um, top of my head. Ronnie McLend, McLord, McLeod, right? No, no, Mc. I don't know. I, I know we we signed another we signed, safety, so he does. Yeah, basically no. Like no, there's, there's little so. pads of pieces that you know maybe you could add a little bit, but overall this team is where they need to be. Yeah, I think the only two notes that I really had, I think maybe a defensive tackle too. Um, to pair along with Dalvin Tomlinson. Right. The only thing is, I just don't think Siaka Icky's ready this year. I'm right there with you. I and mean, I don't know if he's going to be that, he, he'll be the guy that they, they put there. Right now, PFF does have Jordan Elliott as the second guy there, which is a little shaky in my opinion. But overall, I mean, I think that you're fine in that sense. You You touched on it. Maybe some cornerback depth. I wouldn't mind like a CB three also right. in the room, just in case if Ward does go down, or eventually the worst case scenario, Newsome or Ward does get traded. I I don't think they will, but I mean, if we do make a move for a guy and get off of them, I think it wouldn't hurt to have another cornerback in that room. Yeah, I think for cornerback two, you'd be looking at a. Uh... Like a veteran guy, like not you're not going after like a young unproven guy there because you no. do have Ward Newsom and MJ Emerson. So. Yeah, and Emerson was a pleasant surprise last year. I was, right. I really came out of nowhere. I didn't expect that from him. But I mean, hey, uh, good for good for him. So yeah, good for good, him good, and good, good for Andrew Barry. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. good uh, good sign in there. Win win win. Yep. <laughs> so our last thing before we end the episode. Obviously, it's Friday, and you know what that means if you're a listener. It's our Friday draft day, and since we're talking, yeah, there we go. Since we're talking off-season acquisitions and kind of what we did as a whole this year, um, we decided to go with, as the Friday draft edition, best off-season acquisitions since 1990. So, it... It's going to be an interesting one because, I mean, if you look at it, like, there's not that many. Yeah, we've sucked. Yeah. So, and we like, we both looked up, like, these lists. It was just like, oh, man. Like, I don't know how someone put together 25, and then I realized, oh, like, these guys suck. Yeah, like, like I the mean, top I know five this is, were good, but, like, other I know this that, is not on our either of our lists, so no shame in saying it. Um, The number 12 guy on the list, one of the lists that we found, Derek Anderson. Like, yeah. He's horrible. Yeah. Gary Barnage was on the list was, in the top 10. Wasn't No, Derek Anderson wasn't in my uh, all-time bust draft. No, 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 no. no. That it was um Yeah, I, I mean you had four quarterbacks. I did I take I did take four quarterbacks <laughs> Once in again, one, episode so. 1, go listen yeah, to that. Yeah, go listen. Great episode. Um so you got it last week. You got the first pick. Yeah. I'm still kind of salty about how you took Bob Feller in that sense, but It's all right. I'll be salty here, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know if you will be actually. Okay. Because my first pick, Phil Dawson. You're going Dawson. I'm, I'm reaching. I am reaching on this one just because when you think of Cleveland Browns football, out of like all of those years, and we who, should actually, by the way, preface this: we are talking off-season signings, trades, or re-signings. Yes. Re-signings do count, which is where this one more comes into effect. Yeah. Um. When you think of Cleveland Browns football, there's two guys. One, Joe Thomas, and two, Phil Dawson. I I, I get it. He's a kicker. I know. 
But no, he was the best player on the team for through thick and thin. You know, twelve years. This dude was just always with us. I mean, when you and the thing is, like, you knew when he was going up there, he was going to sink it. And like ever since then, we've had a kicker problem. I mean, we tried to address it this year. I mean, well, last year in the draft, and he's struggling too now. Cade York is the. I, I don't trust him. No, not at all. So, I I miss Phil. I miss Phil Dawson, you know? I'm taking him number one overall. I don't care. You could do whatever you want now. I got my boy Phil. Second pick goes to you. I don't have his age up right now, but I would re-sign Phil Dawson. <laughs> and he's probably Honestly, like, he's probably 50. Like, yeah. I think he's actually, he's like 47. He was born in 75. But Start like, the hashtag. Bring back Phil. Yeah. We need him. Like he, he could put in a thirty yarder at this point, sure. Yeah, <laughs> like I, he's no more kidding. consistent than Cade York in short distance too. Right. Um, also, to clarify too, we're only doing three rounds because again, it is very tough to yeah. do. <laughs> um, I guess I'm gonna go through and give you probably my only re-signing that I'm gonna go with. Yeah, I don't have many re-signings. I'll, I'll clarify that one. Yeah. I'm pretty and sure technically Phil Dawson. Phil Dawson, since it's from 1990, also counts for you as a signing. Since right. So, he was undrafted. Yeah. But, so technically, I don't even have a re-signing. Yeah. So this is gonna, it, mine is gonna be a re-signing, and it's just criminal to talk about Cleveland football. You already mentioned him. The re-signing of Joe Thomas. Yes. Yeah. It, it has to happen. It has to happen. I mean, the the two biggest names in Cleveland football history, Joe Thomas and Phil Dawson. How many Hall of Famers were Cleveland Browns? Not very many, especially yeah. post. You know, ninety nine. Actually, yeah. had a career. Yeah. Right. Like. You're talking post-99, not a whole lot of guys right now that you're looking at that you're thinking, that guy's bona fide Hall of Famer. I'll you, tell you who I am thinking that about, Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas. Like, yep. without a doubt, re-signed in 2011 on a seven-year, $80.5 million deal and is probably the best tackle to maybe ever touch a football field. So Yeah, you can definitely make that case. Um, I'm not going to go with my number two overall player. Well, I technically would be number three because... I mean, Joe Thomas was number two. Um, this is this. You may not even. Well, I mean, we did look at the same list, so this this might be a guy you were looking at, Jamar Miller. Yeah, did, Miller. I, I saw him, but didn't have him on my list. So, I I grazed over the stats right in his first two seasons, a hundred and thirteen and a hundred and eighteen tackles as a linebacker Eesh. edge hybrid. I'm like, ooh, and then the. Best kicker out of all of it in his final season, he kept the production up with the tackles, right? He had 99, but then on top of that, 13 sacks. Yeah, a, a monster. Um, obviously, that year he was a pro baller in an all pro, uh, I guess, yeah, technically he would be linebacker, but he did play edge as well, too. Um, yeah, I think that was I mean, I, when I saw it. But the thing is, like, you don't have that much. Like, we're just kind of kicking names around, and I'm like, ooh, you know? I, I mean, it's. I had to dive into the bag of not this year, but like recent years, and it, I just don't feel too comfortable about it. But, anywho. I, yeah. I mean, I don't. It's, to me, a good pick. I mean, I think, again, the list is so short on right. these guys that. You can't really do anything. Right. But I'm going to go. Uh, this is definitely a guy that you looked at. Not sure he made your list or not, but you know, you got Nick Chubb now. But back in the day, it was rough sledding for running backs. One of the great moves the Browns actually made to go out and get Jamal Lewis. 
Yeah, I did see him, but I didn't put him on the list. Jamal Lewis, by the way, let's look back. Signed for the 2007 season. In 2006, Ruben Drowns was your running back. He put up 758 yards on 220 attempts. That's, uh, in case you're wondering, 3.4 yards a carry. Not very good. You go out, you sign Jamal Lewis, and Jamal Lewis puts up back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons with the first of those being 1,300. Like, the man was a mammoth. And you took him, by the way, from an in-division opponent in the Ravens. Yeah. Huge. Huge. I agree. I mean, I did see him on the list. Didn't put him in. Um, Sorry if I wasn't really, like, looking at you during that. I'm debating between two names. Right now, you've only taken one guy on my list. So, I have a couple names left. Two recent. One not really recent. Man, I don't know. Because you, I might get flamed for this one. Clock is a ticking. Yeah, no kidding. Got to run in the card. Dylan Feltovich is on the clock. You know what? I'm going to go really off the wall. Right, I'm going to pick the it. third guy that I wasn't really even considering. Amari Cooper. He was on my list. The thing is with... Okay, so... And that's actually probably who I was going to go to next, so... Oh, you know, there we go. Picking picking that. All right, cool. Um... The thing is with Amari Cooper, we just like don't know what to do with wide receivers, in my opinion. Like I, I just never in these all these years have we really had a prominent like one that's just been like, oh my gosh. Like we tried with Odell, that didn't work. Jarvis Landry was never truly a one. I just overall, like we've struggled in the wide receiver room and it, not as bad as like a quarterback, but like I think Amari Cooper comes in, and we just got him for a steal, too. I mean— uh, For literally nothing. Literally a bag of chips. And he's still in his prime, in my opinion. He's oh, yeah. He's pretty—I think 28 or 29. 28. So, yeah, he's still—I mean, he's not 30 yet. That's—I that's, that's I think the wide receiver's number, uh, age is 30, I'm pretty sure. I don't know why I know all these, like, random, like, things about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, Amari Cooper comes in, he gets it a 1,000-yard— season like I just the connection was there automatically he's not a guy where it's just like he's always like it wasn't an Odell thing where it's just like he had a problem with any of the guys or anything like that kept his head down and he just he balled out and I I respect it you know the only the only downside of this pick is that you only have one year out of him right now that's the only downside I think the other one that I was going to go with was Kevin Zeitler yeah, he was and, on my list too. Also, I, not who I was going to go with. So we'll just toss him in oh, the honorable mentions. Yeah. Um. But I mean, I, other than that, the other guy was Deshaun Watson. But it just I don't. That one has the highest ceiling, but it has the lowest floor because that could be one of the worst actually acquisitions too. Right. So that's where I was kind of just like, yeah, he could be the best, but he could also be the worst in my opinion. So that's why I didn't go with them. It's a safe floor. Pretty high ceiling with Amari Cooper. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the guy, you know, last year you're like, ah, like he played well, but rough quarterback play, you're like, how well did he really play? Dude, he was 30 yards away from setting his career high. Yeah, like, like the dude's still balling. Yeah, like it was a really good year for him. He was, yeah. you know, 40 yards away from being a 1,200-yard receiver. Like, it, I'm probably going to get his jersey, honestly. Uh, I'm, well, I'm debating it. I know, I would never stop you from that. Only jersey I have right now, by the way, Miles Garrett. Which well, I have Nick right Chubb, have, and that's but, about yeah. But 
you know, running backs, times are ticking with them. So yeah. I don't know. I'm That's like, right. He'll be down in history. That's a good one to have Oh, yeah, still. for sure. But uh, final pick in the draft, 3-3 three, three here. Again, only three rounds. We mentioned Kevin Zeitler, honorable mention. I'll throw a slight honorable mention out to uh, Kareem Hunt, I guess. He, was, yeah. he made my list. It okay. wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. just because of how strong he was as the second back, but it, I looked back at the production and it just wasn't. Honorable mention, yeah I, yeah, I I can agree. He didn't make my list, but granted, I only had five just because I was just like, well, I mean, technically speaking, I only need five since I had the first pick. So, yeah, he, he didn't make the list. But, yeah, honorable mention, I think. Yeah, and uh, so I'm going to go dig back into the 90s for this one. Oh, so a guy I never ever got to see play because he was done in the NFL by the time we were born. But Ohio State alum will stick with the uh, the, the little uh <laughs> But we don't there. like those Ohio State alumni on our team, right? <laughs> no, Listen, we love them. We, oh, yeah, sorry, we love we them. We just don't like signing them when they're not good. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good point. This was a case of where that didn't happen. I'm talking about Pepper Johnson. Okay, yeah. Linebacker, finished his career with 14 interceptions, but the big thing here, he gets traded and comes over in 1993-94, had a really good career with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Comes here, sets his season high, not once, but twice in tackles, 121, 126, and was a Pro Bowler in 1994. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, he didn't make my list either, but I, it, yeah, I, I think that that checks out. Put him in the history you want. That's an Art Modell uh, yeah. pick, so call him a Raven if you will. But no. Well, the thing is, too, you – did not really give much praise to our guy Andrew Barry, so that that was that's that was kind of like where I was like, all right, let me let me get Amari Cooper in there, you know. Hey, I mean, because who knows? Maybe Elijah Moore comes into this list at some point. The, the problem with me with the Barry pick is exactly what I said. It's just not enough time right now. Yeah, like, that's there, fair. There's not a lot of free agents that he's gone out and gotten who have a chance to have proved themselves. Other entirely. than probably Amari Cooper, right? I mean. I, I mean, you look Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper. You think about re-signing Miles Garrett. I, do, I don't. We're just wanna, too early into those deals. Well, and the thing is, like the re-signing with Miles um, Garrett, I, I feel like that was just too much of like a layup, in my opinion. Right. Like I just, I wanted to have a little bit more diversity in it, and I think taking the risk with Amari Cooper as my third pick, you know, why not? And especially too, I, I think the aspect of we got him for literally a bag of chips granted we did take on a lot of the cap which that's the reason why we got him in the first place and why it was so cheap but overall i mean yeah i i think that it it we're in the few years this will be a lot different that's my opinion no, because 100 because if deshaun watson does pan out he's number one oh yeah because he's a quarterback and the, we we've never had a quarterback at this point um But then, if he doesn't pan out, he's on the first episode. (laughs) Uh, Well, well, I guess those are draft busts. But he goes on the bust list for sure. Yeah, he's he's a big time. That's like, I'm genuinely scared if he does like not pan out. Like, oh, I mean, I don't even know what to do with myself if he doesn't. Honestly, I mean, you gotta. Here's bonus content for you, I guess. But I mean. You got to take the swing. You see a lot of GMs, younger GMs right now, they're taking big risks, big swings, getting the deals done. And that's kind of what Andrew Barry did there. I love the move. I, I love the You got to take the risk. The the thing is like taking all of 
every aspect out of it other than just football. If you look at it just from a football perspective, it was a, a great move. Yeah, and that, that's where I'm looking at this. Like, all things aside, you know, there's only so much you can argue about the off the field stuff. And like, you he's have, a Brown at the yes. end of the day now. So he's he has a lot of off field issues right now, and that are still lingering, right? Because of just the name itself, and he's trying to work on his image. And I get that. He hasn't. He didn't play for almost what two, two years? years? Yeah, yeah. And so overall, I mean, it's a big, big risk. And if it doesn't pan out. That's that may be a fireable offense because not only did it not work out for a quarterback in that sense, but then you just tampered with the Browns' overall image and you brought in yep. a guy. Because I mean, I know we get it, like Kareem Hunt and all of those guys that had that kind of not nearly as bad, but it's not as bad as this one. This was a huge thing, and it it split. A, a fan base up, yeah, like literally, like diehard fans are still mad about it, and I like warranted. I know, I know, di- diehard fans that like aren't fans anymore because of this, and they right. specifically told me, "I'm not going to watch another Cleveland Browns game." And like, you, I, that is completely fair in my opinion because yeah, I, I, I just took. It's hard for us because we're Cleveland sports talk. You know, and we have to talk about the Browns, right? So any and I've and I've talked to many different people in the in Cleveland sports media that have to deal with the Browns too. It's it's tough. It really is tough because they have to go through all of this stuff and they have to pick out what's right, what's wrong, take out all the crap that's not true, and decipher. Okay, is this actual stuff? And it, it it's tough because it's like. You know, you want to root for them, and you want to you want the best, but it's just like that's just it's really, really not a good look, man. No, it's bad. I mean, like I said, there's only so much you can do. Like it happened. He is a Cleveland Brown. Yeah, and you either you make the decision, and you probably already made this decision. It's right. either you're not a fan, or you know you're sticking with it yeah like you're i don't want to say you're willing to look past it because i don't think that's the right term but you're willing to just deal with it yeah and i think eventually it was going to have to come out on our perspectives on it because uh, like i feel like everyone's kind of stated their opinions on it and like the talk sports area right um but i mean i i can i will my final stance through all of it is if you're not a fan anymore because of it i completely understand if you're still a fan, I completely understand. I understand both sides of this. Um, it's just we're we're always going to look at it. And this is also a note, too, of how we're going to talk about it moving forward. I think this goes for both of us. We're going to be people that don't really talk about just any of the nonsense outside of it and just everything that goes. We're going to specifically just talk football. Is Deshaun providing for the team on the field? That's it. I don't want to talk anything about off-field stuff. If it comes up again as a major issue, right. then we'll probably go into it. I mean, if something else were to happen, it, under obviously you got to cover what you got to cover. Right. But it's not. We're not going to keep retroactively looking back. We're going to talk football. Yes, we're going to talk about it moving forward, specifically on the fact that is he playing well, right. and that is a concern right now because he. He was a little bit rusty and pretty rough. So I'm not 
totally jumping off of the Deshaun Watson ship right now, nor do I think I'm really on it. I'm more of just trying to, I'm like from a distance looking at it saying, all right, well, let's see if he can do something. Because, I mean, there was a couple of flashes, but I don't know. It it, it it was a little concerning. Granted, he was playing like when it was four degrees on Christmas Eve. So give him some credit there. But Yeah, Dylan, I, you were in a boat sitting there staring at the Titanic, driving on an iceberg going, are they going to turn? Yeah. Like, are they, <laughs> are we going to do something here? Because that, you know, that's... That's gonna be a good graphic. I think I'm definitely I'm definitely, definitely gonna make something out of that one. But I mean, yeah, it just we're we're gonna do it from a football perspective, and that's it. We don't want because because we know that we have fans from both sides of that yeah. perspective. So, and like we said, I'm right in the same boat with you. You know, either side that you play that coin completely understand and respect it. Yep, yep. So other than that, that's gonna wrap it up. There's some nice little bonus content for you. Um. I mean, run through the draft. Yeah, really let's quick, run through one more the draft. Uh, yeah, so I my selections first overall pick Phil Dawson, my third overall pick technically uh, Jamar Miller, uh, Jameer Jamar Jameer 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 Miller, um, and then fifth overall pick Amari Cooper. And I have the second pick in the draft. We go with the re-signing of Joe Thomas. Fourth pick Jamal Lewis, and the sixth pick Pepper Johnson. There we go. Well. We'd like to say thank you again for all the support. Um, it's it, We're slowly growing. And, yep. I mean, we're doing it because we love this. Obviously, we're not getting paid or anything like that. But we love talking Cleveland sports. We want to have a career in this. And we would like to make something out of Mistake by the Take as well, too, in the future. Um, with that being said, like, subscribe, follow us on all social medias. We're going to plug it in somewhere plugged in and the episode Jake does that. But I mean, share it with everyone else. My, a couple of my friends have been posting it out there and telling people about it too. So if you can, um, a lot of, a lot of bright stuff in the future coming, especially with interviews too. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for the direction that we're going. Yeah. And I'll, uh, you know, obviously echo exactly everything you say, having a ton of fun doing it. And, um, yeah, make sure you go follow us on social everything. I'll give a shameless plug out to myself because uh, yeah, why not? You know, you just said this is what we want to do for a career, and yeah. uh, we're I'm going out and calling some baseball this weekend, NCAA regional ball with the John Carroll Blue Streaks. Uh, yeah, and you can listen to me if you're in the Cleveland area on 88.7. That first game I believe is Friday at noon. JCSports.com baseball schedule will tell you exactly when, but on the air 88.7 or WJCU app. Also, will be Saturday and Sunday if necessary. WJCU app on the two or on WJCU.org. And you should just listen because the boys are definitely doing something magical right now. Don't blink. That's how we're going to end it. Thanks again, everyone. Appreciate it.